Hi, and welcome to episode 29 of the Untethered Podcast. Today, we have Melissa Ramkasun joining us. Melissa is a nurse, a patient navigator, an advocate, and founder of Help With Ties, an organization providing one-on-one support and education for babies and families faced with lip and tongue tie issues. She's a graduate of both Broward College, the Associate of Science in Nursing, and Barry University, where she received her Bachelor of Science in Nursing. Melissa has extensive professional experience in both rehab and emergency room nursing. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. All right, Melissa. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. I know that um, we can relate in a lot of ways because we both have had kids that have had tongue ties. And so we have those personal experiences that we can um, say commiserate on or, <laughs> or share. Um, but why don't, everybody knows about my experience if they've been listening to the podcast. So go ahead and tell us about your experience with your son and and the tongue tie journey that you all, you know, went down. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I have a son, he's three years old now. His name is Dylan and he was born one night, um, in February. Um, and, uh, before he was born, I really wanted to breastfeed him and I didn't breastfeed my daughter. So I really wanted to see that Bonnie experience everyone talks about. So at the hospital I worked at, Currently, I visited the lactation consultant. I was lucky enough to do that. She gave me some tips. You know, I went to all these classes, read tons of books, YouTube videos. So I just felt like really prepared. Mm. He was born really quick and easy. Um, I was happy that he was put onto my breast right right away. Um, Unfortunately, uh, maybe about a few minutes after he was born, he was very uh, jittery and what they call lethargic. So they checked his blood sugar and it was pretty low and it was the protocol to then give him formula. So although I was bummed out, I was, you know, I knew that it was necessary. So the next morning I saw the lactation consultant and she gave me some pointers here and there and um, he was latch on and then slide off. So I did a lot of skin to skin, but um, again, his sugars tanked. And his pediatrician came in and she advised us that if his sugars don't normalize, he would be put in the neonatal ICU. Mm. That's when my husband and I decided to go ahead and pump and give him the formula through the bottle um, or supplement him with the formula so we wouldn't have this issue and we can just be discharged. So we went, we went ahead and we discharged, his sugars normalized, we were discharged. And at home, I tried to um, have him latch onto my breast in addition to giving him uh, the, the bottle, the formula. And, you know, my, it was just hurt so bad latching him on. He was very, 
gas. He had a lot of um, stiffness, it seemed like, in his head, neck, and face area, just super fussy. And, you know, I was at the doctor's office so much trying to just figure out what's going on. Um, You know, as a nurse, as a mother of another child, I was really dumbfounded. Um, And then, so finally, with a lot of testing and him being placed on medications, they di- his physicians diagnosed him with silent acid reflex. Mm. So that's when I went ahead and joined a Facebook group, like all the moms do now with, uh, <laughs> with different stuff. And uh, one of the Facebook groups was moms that had babies with acid reflex. And it was such a hard group to get into. Like they were really, really good about running their group. So they did accept me. They asked me a bunch of questions about my son. And one was if my child had a lip or tongue tie. And, you know, as a nurse, I didn't know what that was. So I went ahead and YouTubed a video. And who pops up first? Dr. Richard Baxter and showing us how to check for a lip and tongue tie. So I went ahead, checked Dylan the way he showed us. And there it was. He had a very restrictive lip and posterior tongue tie. And at that moment, my husband and I felt that, you know, his care was basically in our hands because not one physician we went to ever checked for a lip and tongue tie based on his symptoms. Mm. So we went ahead and got his lip and tongue tie revised about a week later. It was three weeks of absolute hell. But then by that fourth week, with um, cranial sacral therapy, um, he was he was thriving and he still is thriving. Now you're in the Hollywood, Florida area, so I'm, right. I'm well. First, I want to say I'm actually really happy to hear he's thriving. So that's yeah, yeah. yeah thank you you so know, much. when you can get them to yeah. that point, you know, it's but the energy and the time and the stress, yeah, right? As a mom, like, yeah, totally. You know, postpartum depression played a big role in our yeah. lives. Um, it was it really was life-changing for everybody in my home yeah um to have a baby like that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I don't think people who have babies who feed well realize (laughs) how you know you know it's it's tiring we have to wake up around the clock Mm -hmm. and you have all you know and yes we're not downplaying that at all but then you add a layer of complication and it's just you know you're like I'd be thankful to just wake up at night and feed a baby and put them right back down to sleep and just tired (laughs) you know and not to mention moms that or parents that have multiples yes yeah. So, yeah. Totally tiring. So what are the services like? I mean, you mentioned, um, you mentioned craniosacral, but like, what are the services like in South Florida where you are? So, um, in my opinion, in South Florida, there aren't a lot of resources or support for lip and tongue ties. Um, I can tell you that, um, you know, I did run into the lactation consultant, um, at the hospital one day when I did return back to work And her response, I told her that, you know, Dylan and I, you know, went through a lot with a lip and tongue tie that he had, and I wish I had known. And the response was, uh, you know, I thought he had one, but I'm not allowed to diagnose. Yeah. And that is totally, um, I totally understand that, you know, lactation consultants don't diagnose, but maybe we can come up with a plan to support these parents better right here in South Florida. Um, Education during breastfeeding classes, um, getting more physicians on board with lip and tongue ties, incorporating it into your physical assessment. Um, In my opinion here, we do a lot with, um, you know, Dr. Gagari said it the best that we're so good as a medical community, um, 
checking for milestones, physical attributes, but simple things like lip and tongue ties that affect physical attributes, milestones, um, get missed. And if we need to do a better job. Yeah. Well, and I also wonder, and I'm not an an IBCLC, I know you're training Mm -hmm. to actually become one right now. Um, Congratulations. A lot of work, I know. Um, And I know IBCLCs can't diagnose, and there's a whole big debate in the speech world as to whether or not we're allowed to diagnose. I've spoken to my state license board, and they they basically give me the go ahead because of my training. So like I do diagnose it. Um, but I know there's a big issue that I've talked to Richard Baxter and some others about that there are gag orders in hospitals. So, you know, moving beyond that and figuring how to break through that barrier and figuring out how we can, if we can't diagnose, what can we say? Can we say, well, I have concerns and I would like for another provider to rule out a lip or tongue tie. Like the word needs to be brought to light. The t- you know, the diagnosis, whether we're giving it or not, I think what you're saying is like, we definitely need to do better by our families and these new moms who have one job. Well, two jobs, yeah. actually, right? Like keep the baby alive yeah. is the main job, right? Nurture yeah. um, that baby, feed that baby, make sure they're healthy. You know, we've got this job to take care of them. And how much harder is it when people have, gag orders and they think that something is wrong, but they can't tell us that they think something is wrong. It just seems humanely unethical. Um, And, you know, I definitely feel like it's an issue where I live in the DC metro area. There are some Mm -hmm. hospitals that will diagnose, there are other hospitals that won't. And even with my own child, I diagnosed it. And then they, then they said, Oh, Hey, yeah. Do you want us to get the hospital surgeon for you? And I was to release that. And I was like, yeah, no, thanks. Um, I got my guy and you guys wouldn't diagnose it, but now you want to charge my insurance to release it. And that's where I think, you know, there's a bad rap around, you know, diagnosing and tongue ties in general, because people think that everyone's out for the money and everybody's, you know, Mm -hmm. in my situation, I can see how somebody might come to that conclusion based on what I experienced. Um, But I know for sure that the providers that I've worked with are not getting paid enough for the amount of time and energy that they put into working with families who have kids with tongue ties, they could be doing other things and billing a lot more, um, billing a lot more for other services that take less time. And so I think there's definitely a, we have a big job to do ahead of us because figuring Uh out how to get providers to want to assess and want to treat and want to bring this to the forefront and bring this to light and really um, fight the good fight with us and trying to get hospitals to even implement a newborn tongue tie screening, just like they have a newborn hearing screening. I mean, that's my dream. And I have a parent who's local to me that wants to make something like that happen. Um, They've done it in Brazil. And, exactly. You know, yes. it's like, so if they're, why not here? This is not such an, exactly. un, you know, unheard of thing. Like it exists. Right. It's going. So, so yeah. So, and I know that you've now created, um, help with ties, which is your, you know, help with ties.org. And we'll link to that in the show notes, but can you tell us a little bit about help with ties and why you started it and what, what yeah, you offer absolutely. So, you know, once Dylan got better, um, it was like a year when I finally got back on my feet and I just thought to myself, just like that parent that you were just mentioning, like, why isn't this checked as a newborn, especially a baby that exhibits all these symptoms? Well, of course, there are tons of babies out there that have ties that are just fine. But what about the babies that are having these symptoms? Instead of scoping our babies, putting them in all these meds, can we just check for a living tongue tie first is what my 
um, it's, it's, it's what I really want to happen. Um, so with Help With Ties, it's a nonprofit organization dedicated to parents in South Florida to assist babies that have lip and tongue ties. Um, they may not know that their child has a lip or tongue tie, but if they're exhibiting symptoms, um, I go ahead into their home, I do a free consultation, and I can check for a lip and tongue tie. I don't diagnose, but I can definitely see any restriction and advise them to see a, uh, a doctor or an IBCLC um, to check for range of motion. So with help with ties, we do, we check the symptoms that the mother and baby are having, the physical anatomy, and the range of motion. Um, based on those things, the mom, the parents will go ahead and decide whether or not to have the revision. If they do, I offer a three-week service. I go in once a week for three weeks to assist the parents to, in doing the oral stretches. Mm. If the baby is still not latching, maybe having a lot of muscle tension, I go ahead and I get my um, cranial sacral therapists that are involved in my organization uh, to consult with the family and do some other therapies. So here's the thing. There are tons of doctors out there with lasers. There's tons of IBCLCs, but it's the ones you got to go to that are aware of lip and tongue ties. Right. So with my organization, I link these families to to the IBCLCs that are familiar with lip and tongue ties, mm. to the dentists, to the ENTs that are familiar with lip and tongue ties, to the chiropractors and cranial sacral therapists that have worked with babies with lip and tongue ties. I just felt like when I was with Dylan, everywhere I went, I was describing what a lip and tongue tie was. I mean, come on, we're at the, the 21st century. This you know, needs to stop. So I go ahead and really assist the families um, in such a close way um, in ensuring that they have a successful revision. That's amazing. And not so that they feel alone, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing because I know there's such a need and we talk a lot about collaborative care and teams and, um, and I've done the same thing. I've tried to find in my area who are those people that understand lip and tongue tie. They're not just, they don't just have a laser and they're willing to release but they want to make sure, make sure the child is prepped and they have this optimal timing of release, or they want to make sure that the child receives the aftercare that they really need, or, you know, whether it be someone helping get in there and do stretches or feeding therapy or a craniosacral or osteo or whatever. Um, it's, you know, it's so important to have that team approach. So I love that you incorporate that as part of what you're offering because parents don't know who to trust and who and where to find these people, right? Unless you talk to another mom who's been through it and had really great success, or you have a provider who's well known in the space or, and, and that you can fully trust and that can kind of guide you and lead you. And right now those providers are still few and far between. It's, it's growing, it is growing and we're, we're going to get there, but right now it is so hard. I mean, if you hop onto a mom's group and someone goes, Hey, can you recommend you know, an OBGYN and you get 25 different recommendations and half the people love this person, half the people hate that person. So it's like, who do you trust? You know, it's the same thing you're doing. Exactly. Like everyone's on Facebook now. I was that mom on Facebook too. too. I want to eliminate that. You know, it's enough stress having a newborn. We don't need to add on the Facebook drama to it either. Right. Um, So basically I hold their hand. I even go to the surgery with them. I stay in the room with the baby. I'm that baby's advocate as well as the family's advocate. Um, And I never knew 
having my son would change my life in such a way. I mean, I'm an ER nurse. I never thought I would be dealing, I would be so happy to do lactation for the breastfeeding parent. It's amazing. And I love, I love, love it so much. Um, And I just hope to continue making a difference in these families' lives. Well, and I think I, I, I want you to like, you know, make this a a national thing. (laughs) I want this to be more than just something for South Florida because everybody needs this help. Um, I mean, obviously like we've talked about, there are pockets where different teams are working together, coming together and figuring Mm -hmm. out how to offer similar things. But I just think that, you know, as an organization to basically put this message out there that like, this is what's possible when you have the right care and this is how we can help you. Um, you know, I, I don't always see the babies that young because usually they go to the lactation consultant mm-hmm. if there's a feeding issue, but then we are getting a lot of these babies who had ties that were either missed and, or the lactation consultant said, well, let's rule it out, but they couldn't diagnose it. So the ENT that re- received the baby said, no, they're fine. You know, yes. and no, and everyone's kind of missing the, not, not that the lactation consultant missed it, but the rest yeah. of the team is missing why they were sent in the first place. Um, and that's not to say that everybody needs to have their tongue tie released or every baby needs to have their release done, but we need somebody who can do that differential diagnosis. We need somebody who, you know, who can help with referring that child out and also making sure that the, re- the receiving provider fully understands why that baby is in their office that day. And it's not that this mom is saying, oh, breastfeeding hurts, you know. Absolutely. And I've also made it my mission because what I've noticed here in South Florida is a lot of families cannot afford this lip and tongue tie surgery, this phrenectomy. Um, and as you know, a lot of it is not covered by their insurance. Uh-huh. So I've made it my mission to find doctors that do a complete release that take Medicaid um, and insurance down here in South Florida or take, um, take different insurances or like an ENT that would just take a copay that does a complete release uh-huh. um, so I can help families of different um, economic statuses. And have you been successful in doing that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So recently, you know, I had a family of seven that just moved here to South Florida. And the last thing the parents want to know is that their kid needs this $2,000 procedure. Oh, you wow. Know? So, yeah. you know, I set them up with the, with a this. So I work with very little physicians because as you know, not a lot of them do um, a complete release or, mm-hmm. you know, or want to work with someone like me in this organization. But um, if they do, when they do a complete release, um, I refer them to uh, my families and uh, they take their insurance or do, do the pre-authorization on behalf of the family in order to have the procedure covered. Um, and, you know, my, the way I get connected with physicians is I'll meet with them. I'll observe them do a phrenectomy. We talk about um, the postpartum, um, pre through postpartum follow-up and everything. That's amazing. That's really cool. Um, and two thousand dollars. Wow, for one like really. Oh, so yes, Florida. So South Florida, yeah. So I mean, it ranges from maybe like a thousand to fifteen hundred, maybe, maybe two thousand at the higher end. But yeah, that's what a phrenectomy averages here in South Florida. So if they no need matter, both, like lip and tongue, they're so they're paying do double that. that. Uh, that's that's lip and tongue. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, so I recently, yeah. So I like recently learned like, yeah, like it's so much cheaper in other places, but yeah. I guess it's just where you live. 
I mean, I'm in Bethesda, Maryland. It's one of the most expensive places in the country outside from like LA, New York, Miami. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're not that expensive here. Really? Yeah. Yeah, No, this is how much it is. Absolutely. So like my physician that will take Medicaid will get a pre-authorization. And then like, let's say that depending on their insurance, like Medicaid, let's say this physician charges Mm $1,200. The Medicaid will cover half of it. Um, the ENT I work with will take just a copay. So whatever a copay is to see a specialist, like maybe 50 or a hundred bucks, usually it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'll do the phrenectomy or there are some parents that want to pay out of pocket because they want to do it as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some physicians that will take cash as well. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm sure it varies all over the country. I haven't sat down with like a ton of the relief Mm -hmm. providers to ask them, you know, hey, what are you charging for X, Y, and Z? But it is, um, you know, I definitely think there's a lot of people who are much cheaper out there than it sounds like they are in South Florida. Um, But that's great that you've been able to, regardless of, you know, the fee charge, it's great that you've been able to find people who take, you know, the different forms of insurance that, that way you can refer families to places where you truly trust where you're sending them and you know, they're going to get a complete release. And you know that this is also someone who values working with you and a team where this child's going to be prepped properly, but also going to have the proper aftercare. Um, What's the point of the release if it just reattaches in two days? Exactly. And you know, I, I think a lot of physicians fail to explain to the parents that, yeah, it's a 30 second procedure, but the recovery is just like having physical therapy after a knee replacement. Right. It takes weeks and weeks to recover. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I stress that a lot to my families. Yeah. And I think there was a big misconception that I think is coming to light now. People are realizing that, oh, this is not actually the case. But I think before it was just like, oh, it's a one-off procedure. Let's just go get this thing taken care of. They're going to nurse well. We'll be good back to back to new, you know, like brand new. Everything will be working fine, um, which is so far from the truth. Like, are there cases where a child can have a, a tongue or a lip release and then feed really well and not seemingly need lots of post-op therapy? Absolutely. I have seen cases where we just do the stretches afterwards and then they're well on their way. Um, but I've also seen cases where they've done nothing afterwards. Nobody gave them any, any exercises or stretches to help the, the mm-hmm. wound, you know, actively heal properly. Um, I've also seen cases where, you know, they weren't prepped properly and that's not always by any fault of the provider. Sometimes families decide I need to have this done right now. Their child is not ready. And, and this is not, you're not going to see this with a newborn baby per se, um, so much as like a two-year-old. Um, but you know, sometimes we get the, we get families where we will, say, nope, the child's not ready. And they go and schedule that release anyways, and they have the release done and the child really struggles afterwards because they were not ready. Um, Their sensory system wasn't ready. Their tongue was not, the muscles were not ready. You know, Mm -hmm. there is way too much tension or they're just not using their tongue. It's just sitting on the floor of their mouth. Um, You know, so I've seen, unfortunately, I've seen these situations and again, not by no fault of the actual provider. um, But yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into this. And I want people to realize it can change your child's life and it can change the feeding experience, but you need to know what you're doing and you need to trust your providers. And, you know, and I'm so glad that you provide a service that basically covers all of those bases. Yes. Thank you. I enjoy doing it. That's amazing. And so, um, now you, I know you work with babies and you mentioned that you um, you're a nurse, you were working in the emergency room. Um, and so now you're just doing this. This is 
This is your business. Yeah, so actually, so actually, I still work in the adult emergency room every oh. Saturday and Sunday, okay. and I do this during the week. But um, hopefully, after I get my IBCLC certification, I would be able to do this full time at the hospital that I still work at. That would be amazing for me. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. That's that's the end goal. I love that it. That is the end goal. It's like two ends of the spectrum, but it's it's crazy how that happened. But yeah, that would be amazing if I could uh, work as an IBCLC there. Yeah, well, and it's amazing how becoming a mom and having your own experiences sometimes throws you full throttle into a different direction. And, you know, I think that this is still within your realm because you already had the RN, right? But, mm-hmm. but you weren't necessarily like working with the babies and who had tongue ties. And so it's very cool that you were able to kind of step into that role and maybe with a little bit more ease because you already have, you know, you're already a nurse um, and you have at least some background. I think people also don't realize that you need to have understanding of anatomy and physiology and Mm -hmm. feeding and feeding in an infant is very different than feeding in a two-year-old, which is very different than feeding in a five-year-old and adults who have had strokes and, you know, feeding therapy looks very different as a speech pathologist who does feeding therapy. It looks very different depending on the age and the skills of who I'm working with. Um, and so I'm sure you can appreciate as somebody who is getting their IBCLC, how, you know, seeing these adults on a weekend and, you know, being a nurse and working at the hospital is a very, it's just a completely different world than working with babies. <laughs> um, yeah. It's so funny because I'll get moms that come in with mastitis, not even my patient, but I'm in the room. Yeah. <laughs> like trying to help her, giving her some tips, some latching tips, telling her how to um, get rid of the pain. Um, It's just like, I get so drawn into these breastfeeding um, parents. And that's how you know where your passion is, right? It's like, you're aligned. This is where you were supposed to be. Get me out of the room. Like I'm there getting the pump for them. Not even my patient. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, amazing. And so um, when you get your IBCLC and you work in the hospital, do you also plan to like provide a service privately on the, on the side as well? Or do you think you just want to do like full time? Well, um, you know, I think it would be against like hospital policy to, Mm. yeah, to like, um, yeah, but, um, totally. I, I would still keep doing my help with ties um, helping those parents in my community, um, but also being able to work and doing something I love as well. Yeah, it's like a win-win. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, are you are you charging families for like help with ties? Is it a nonprofit? Yes. How are you? How's that set up? Yeah. So, like, I do a free consultation through the phone, but then if the mom needs me to come out, help her latch on, latch her baby on the breast, or maybe she's transitioning back to work and she needs a few tips. A lot of moms don't know, or dads don't know how to mix formula, um, or which formula should I start with? How should I do the feeds? What bottles? How much? Um, so I go ahead and do all of that teaching. I'm there with them for about two and a half hours to three hours. Um, I charge $60 for that. And then for that three-week surgical package I told you about where I'm with them for three weeks from pre-op through post-op, I charge $175 for the three-week service. So I, I, everything else is so expensive for these families. I try to make my cost uh, reasonable for them. And all the proceeds I get go back into educating myself. For example, my IBCLC continuing education. I just got my infant feeding um, certification. 
Um, it goes back into spreading um, the word about lip and tongue ties. I do a lot of breastfeeding workshops for moms, um, you know, at free of cost to them. Um, so, yep. That is amazing. You should charge more for your time. <laughs> you are very valuable. People don't under, I don't think your families realize how lucky they are to have you because, oh, you know, it's definitely, like you said, it's hard to not just find those people, but build that team and to be, you're basically a referral, a, a referral resource for them. Like, you know, yeah. where to go and who you can trust and who you've seen get families good results and you know how to guide them before and after. And that's, that is invaluable. I mean, that is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I just want, I wish I had me when I was going through yeah. this fulfilling. And that's Absolutely. my goal at the end of the day. Like, I just want the mom to sit on the couch or dad and breastfeed or bottle feed and I will take care of the rest. That's amazing. That's my goal in the whole that's couple so cool. times. Mm-hmm. So cool. Hey, maybe you just need more of you. Maybe you need some like contractors. I, the, the other side of me likes business. And so I'm always like, you know, I've got a local yeah, yeah. practice and I got the online stuff. And so I'm always <laughs> thinking like business, how could we grow this? <laughs> I love what you're doing. I love it. I love the name help with ties. Oh, thank you. That's a great name. Um, so yeah, so I know we've talked about help with ties and your, your personal experience and kind of your goals going forward. Is there anything else that you want to share with us today that we have not talked about already? I mean, no, I just, you know, if there is a mom listening or a dad listening that's struggling with a baby that may have a lip or tongue tie, I just want them to know that there are solutions, there are good therapies, there are good doctors that do a complete release, and they've just got to do their research, just like you would with any other, you know, medical issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast and hopefully um, when I'm in Florida, we'll meet. (laughs) Absolutely. Have a great trip here. Um, Definitely reach out and thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie Balkan. And you can head over to untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. Big shout out to Dana McKay, podcaster extraordinaire for editing and helping me keep this podcast alive.